May 22nd, 2019. It's day 16, and we're in Gilberton, Washington. You ever wake up in the morning and ask yourself, what am I doing? And more importantly, why? Yeah, me too. Hi, my name is Craig, and this is my story. A story about life, life out there. For visuals while listening, search Life Out There on your favorite social media platform or use the links in the podcast description. From Paul's Bow, we would move camp to Bremerton, Washington. More specifically, Gilberton. Why Gilberton? It's a quiet little community about six miles northwest of Bremerton, and Gilberton has a fascinating history. The story of Gilberton starts early on in 1888 when Thor and Olive Gulbrandsen, a family of Norwegian immigrants, claimed land and settled a farm near Browns Bay, now Burke Bay, south of the growing community that became Brownsville. The Gulbrunsons had joined a boom in Scandinavian settlement on the inlets, bays, and fjords of the Kitsap Peninsula. In the early 1900s, they would change their name to Gilberton. They then subdivided their property, filing a plot for Gilberton on April 15, 1908. They were running ads for their development, Gilberton on the Sound, even before that in the Seattle Times. Gilberton on the Sound was marketed as a half mile of beachfront perfect for vacation homes and complete with water, ready to tap. At a time well before the first Narrows Bridge and the Washington State Ferry System that services the area today, transportation around the Sound and access to areas like Gilberton looked a lot different. Around the same time that the Gilbertsons were advertising their development, the Hanson Transportation Company would form and later grow into the Kitsap County Transportation Company. The company operated a fleet of steamships and ferries. At its height, it would operate over 100 vessels with runs and access points all over the Puget Sound. The most popular of which would be the runs between Seattle and Tacoma, but not far behind would be the runs linking the Kitsap Peninsula with the mainland. The fleet oftentimes contained ragtag, even jerry-rigged vessels, but for the most part, reliable. They got the job done. This ragtag fleet would become known as the Mosquito Fleet and serve the area well into the 1920s. With the Mosquito Fleet's ability to move supplies and people up to 250 per passage on their larger steamships all around the area, pioneers in the area could now pick any spot they wanted along that 1,300 miles of Puget Sound coastline and stay connected with the rest of the world. 
the Mosquito Fleet's era came to an end with the advent of better road and rail infrastructure, as well as the introduction of modern-day Washington State ferry system. The Mosquito Fleet will always be remembered as a vital part of the region's history and a testament to the pioneering spirit of the Pacific Northwest. So what does all this history have to do with me? Why am I here? It all comes down to a little stretch of waterfront property on Washington Street in Gilberton. That little piece of Washington Street belongs to a family that lived there for generations. And I'm lucky enough to count them among my friends. Well, in fact, their family. And over the years, they would introduce me to the rest of the neighborhood. A group of folks that each have their own generational claim to the land and to each other. To me, they're the Washington Street Gang. And it's a special place. So what other place to continue the adventure? We'd spend the next few days on an RV pad tucked into the backyard of one of the founding members of the Washington Street Gang. Imagine. Cool part is, I don't have to imagine. But imagine grabbing a cup of coffee and heading out for that morning walk with Doobie. These weren't just walks at dawn. They were experiences. The early morning views, smells, the sounds of the Puget Sound lapping the shoreline just below us, and literally everywhere else, the thick green shades of fir and cedar trees bringing their contribution to the morning. It would take only a walk or two for Doogie to map out his route. A quick check-in at nearly every doorstep. Everybody's met Doogie at this point. For a quick snack, or at the very least, a pat on the head and a scruff of the neck. Which, let's face it, for Doogie, better than a snack. Then it's off to plan the day. At the top of the list of favorites and it's a long list, was an afternoon spent at the United States Naval Undersea Museum in Keyport, Washington. The museum was established on July 23, 1979 by the Secretary of the Navy. With over 39,000 artifacts, the museum is an important repository for information and items related to undersea weapons, submarine technology, diving and salvage artifacts, and undersea vehicle technology. The museum's 68,000 square foot building contains 18,000 square feet of exhibition space and over 19,000 square feet of collections and archival storage, all starting with the striking exhibitions at the entrance. First, the Trieste II, the first deep submergence vehicle built by the Navy in 1964. Number two, the sail of the USS Sturgeon, an attack vessel commissioned in 1938 as one of the first fleet submarines commissioned for use for
for the U.S. Navy during World War II. These two gems greet you at the entrance as you pull into the parking lot. And other worthwhile stops if you're doing a museum tour of the area. Next up, the USS Turner Joy Museum Ship. The historic Navy destroyer, known for its involvement in the Gulf of Tonkin incident during the Vietnam War, impeccably preserved and maintained, is a well-marked, self-guided tour giving you unrestricted access to what it must have been like to be one of the up to 300 enlisted men and officers that served on any given mission, including climbing up and down the narrow staircases, sitting in the mess hall, or standing on the bridge. With the smell of diesel all throughout to this day, you can almost imagine what it might have been like engaging in anti-submarine, even anti-aircraft warfare during the Vietnam War. And then of course, there's the Puget Sound Navy Museum. As one of only 10 museums funded and administered by the U.S. Navy, the museum offers a look into the life on board one of the U.S. Navy's nuclear aircraft carriers. Additional exhibits walk you through the role the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard has played in the development, building, and maintaining of the U.S. Pacific Naval Fleet over the last 125 years. Next up on my list would be the day-long outings for drives around the peninsula, exploring nearly every nook and cranny we could find. On the days I'd venture out for a little exploring on my own, it was always fun to come home and find a post-it note on the door of the motorhome from Pete announcing that first seating, 5 p.m. That always put a smile on my face because that was code for barbecues on, dinner on the deck. A one-hour ferry ride from downtown Seattle or a 40-minute drive from Tacoma lands you smack dab in the middle of all this. Bremerton? Bremerton itself is the largest city on the Kitsap Peninsula with a population of just a, over 40k. It is also, as I just mentioned, home to the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. The Puget Sound Naval Shipyard is on 179 acres and has been in uninterrupted use since it was established in 1891. And that places it firmly as the third oldest naval shipyard in continuous operation in the U.S. That is no small feat considering that the other two shipyards in continuous operation are both on the East Coast, one of which even began its operation under the British flag. So how did Bremerton happen? The city was platted in 1891 and occupied part of the homesteads of Warren Smith and Theodore Williams on the north side of Port Orchard Bay. The vision for the town was conceived by William Bremer, a German immigrant who had come to the Port Orchard Bay region some three years prior. 
Bremer saw the strategic location of the Bay Region as a potential site for a naval station, and his efforts played a significant role in the establishment of the present naval shipyard. The history of Bremerton and the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard have always been tightly wound together, but they got off to a rocky start. Shortly after incorporation in 1901, the city's progress faced a major setback. The Assistant Secretary of the Navy moved all repair work from Bremerton to Mare Island Navy Yard in California. He cited reports from his commanders that the Bremerton waterfront was rife with prostitution, opium houses, and frequent strong-arm robberies of sailors. Politics were probably at play here, too. Local newspapers at the time reported that the city's incorporation left the shipyard essentially landlocked with no room to expand. So there might have been some hard feelings. A dispute ensued between the Bremerton's mayor, who wanted to shutter all casinos, and three members of the city council who attempted to block these efforts. The mayor eventually won out, and the city council voted to revoke all liquor licenses in June of 1904. So with prohibition in place, the naval shipyard was re-established as a port of call. No big surprise that within a couple of years, saloons had begun to return to the area, and the ban was eventually lifted. But enough time had elapsed, for Bremerton to begin work on a submarine base that would eventually become one of only a handful of nuclear sub-bases in the country, as well as adding a third dry dock to the naval shipyard. These activities all lead up to Bremerton being pivotal to this day in the U.S. naval operations throughout the Pacific Ocean. Today, the city continues to grow and evolve as folks find life on the Kitsap Peninsula the perfect balance between the beauty of the Pacific Northwest and the offerings of the big city. Just a ferry ride away. Now when a town's economic health is so closely tied to and dependent upon U.S. military operations, it can have some pretty significant ups and downs. Bremerton is no exception. For most of the 20th century, Bremerton made it through all the ups and downs of a military-dominated economy. But, Bremerton would barely survive the 80s, when almost every major business enterprise moved to Silverdale. And simultaneously, there was a significant shift in military spending from Bremerton to the new Trident submarine base at Bangor. Dating back to the 50s and 60s, driving on the main Bremerton to Paulsville Highway became the primary means of transportation from Bremerton to Silverdale. As a result, Silverdale's shopping district moved away from the waterway and towards the highway. This combined with Silverdale's rapid growth at the time made the area highly attractive to businesses that would benefit from having access to such higher traffic counts. The shift created a virtual retail desert 
along what once had been a thriving business hub in Bremerton. In spite of these challenges, Bremerton managed to hold on all through the 80s and into the 90s. Moving into the next couple of decades, the city, with the help of the state, would work hard on infrastructure, opening up roadways into and out of the city, and in fact, a freeway expansion between Bremerton and Paulsbo would help open up traffic between the two cities, reducing commute times and enabling residents to live and work freely in either community. In addition, the city has invested millions in their historic waterfront area, creating an open-air setting in which visitors and residents alike can enjoy long walks along the water, meals at cafes, and even a play, all within walking distance. Bremerton's art scene today is considered to be one of the most vibrant in the entire Pacific Northwest region. But with such strong historic ties to the nation's naval past, the entire area will always be closely linked to the U.S. naval activity. In fact, today, the Department of Defense spending including U.S. Navy centers at Bremerton, Keyport, and Bangor, continue to dominate the economy of the entire county, demonstrated by an annual military and civilian payroll in excess of $2.1 billion. In the end, similar to what I had learned about Tacoma, Bremerton's taken its knocks and managed to come out the other side as vibrant as ever. Maybe sometime you can check it out for yourself. As for me, I wonder what the next stop will teach me. Turns out, this thing called life comes with a lot of rules. Maybe it's time to break a few. Because you can. <laughs> no, seriously. You can. <laughs>